Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what we're preaching, what we're thinking about, and what astonishes us. This Thanksgiving week, we are actually on location. We are recording at the Seminary Union Presbyterian here in Charlotte, and we have no one's permission, so if there's a <laughs> knock at the real. door, this could be a really short podcast. So, Yolando, what are you preaching on this week? This week, um, we have several ministries that we're celebrating um, in the church that are ending, uh, ministries that the church has had for years that have come to an end, and I'm so grateful that the elders have enough courage to say, hey, God's not in this anymore. We think we need to move on from this, um, because in many congregations, uh, they'll just hold on yeah. <laughs> long after yeah. something has died and just say, you know, my great-grandmother started this thing, and so we've just got to keep it going. Yeah, this is good, so it should last forever. That's right. And that's and not so the case. we we have about three ministries that are that have ended. They ended months ago, and so this Sunday we are remembering them, giving thanks to God for what God has done in those ministries. And so I, I want to speak to that in the preaching moment, and uh, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter one, and it begins with God saying to Joshua, "Moses is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moses is dead, mm-hmm. but now you're going to lead these people across the Jordan into the promised land." and we just want to be in this moment of acknowledging the death of these ministries, but also celebrating that, uh, you know, Moses might be dead, the ministries might be de- dead, but, but the, the mission. Land, yeah, that's the right. promised land is still there. That season is over. That season was good, but a new season is ahead. Yes. And it is also good. And I just think you're so wise for two reasons. A, I just, I really appreciate, I think it's important that we continually name to people just because something is good doesn't mean it's forever. The Mm. only good thing that's forever is Jesus, right? right? That's right. And so we need to be prepared to accept that seasons have endings and not hold on too long. And I really like that Rob Bell metaphor about, look, either your season can have a graduation, Mm. which is good, but also bittersweet and sad, Mm. Or you can hold on to something good forever, and then it ends in divorce. Right. And so we have got to be better at recognizing graduations mm. and recognizing and celebrating them and acknowledging that there's some loss and there's some sadness. And I think you're so smart to name mm. that because you could just be naming like, charge, let's go, without acknowledging, hey, it's not like God has never done anything great through this congregation before, That's right. right? So good things have mm-hmm. happened, and now we're at the prep. Uh, precipice of something new, and this is a unique moment, and be bold and courageous, be bold and courageous, be bold and courageous, three literal times. (laughs) Yes, right, that's right. And I think that's great to be able to say, hey, if you're feeling scared as well as sad, Mm -hmm. like, you're right, you're right on track. Like, this is how we feel. And this is a moment of preparation, right? Mm -hmm. God does not say to Joshua, all right, let's go right now. Right. It's... Here's what you need to do to prepare yourself and these people to cross the Jordan. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's just a perfect moment for us as a congregation as we are in this huge, hard transition. And I think it's a perfect moment to say that at that moment of transition, that hinge moment was really about... Because I think so. sometimes it's so hard to feel like what's ahead could be better than mm-hmm. what was behind mm-hmm. without trashing the past. But to be able to say, like, what's happening next yeah. is what the people 
were formed to do. We just didn't have the promised land. So so maybe, you know, the real fear says this is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. But but faith says, you know, it's possible that this is the beginning of the beginning. And, yeah, yeah. And whatever it is, yeah. we can be faithful in this moment. So it's well, a holy moment. You're starting to preach my sermon because I, I want to I put the, <laughs> the text is in the context of God fulfilling his promises to Abraham. Right. Right. And right. so for us... The, the ending of these ministries is in the context of the power of the Holy Spirit right. in this congregation in Great Commission work, to fulfill right. the Great Commission. Right, and right, so right. it is the beginning of a, a new beginning. And yep. so, yeah. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. So, Kate, what are you preaching this Sunday? So this, <laughs> so this um, is the last Sunday of my series on Joseph, and I'm laughing because in my head, I outsmarted myself, and I was feeling really bad about preaching the last part of my Joseph series on the first Sunday of Advent. Hmm. But it's not the first Sunday of Advent, which is super helpful hmm. for me. Although I did actually already get someone to light the oven, so gonna have to go back anyway. Um, but I was super excited about it's so real. This is so my life. Um, I am super excited about ending this look at the life of Joseph right as we step over into Advent and preparing for the Lord because. Um, Joseph, we're doing the reconciliation scene. So like this is what everybody is leaning into. The brothers come into the throne room and they're finally under Joseph's power and he could get revenge. And the story as I learned it as a kid was, but instead he throws open his arms and says, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. So come into the joy of my kingdom. And, you know, when you read the Bible, it ruins everything because, I mean, that sort of happens, but also... Like Joseph, I mean, he messes with them really for months before he reveals his identity. You know, they throws him in prison. Like there's a moment where it looks like Benjamin, you know, he he frames him for stealing. I mean, like there's just, it's so human Mm. that Joseph both, you know, God is in the story. God is with Joseph. Joseph is a man of faith. And also he's a man who's Mm. been deeply wounded by his brothers. And you can just see the struggle in the story and you can see you know to me it just looks like it's going another way Mm. and then he you know he has everyone leaves the room and he reveals his identity and he he offers them forgiveness and that's beautiful but then also he doesn't say that great line about you intended it for evil but God intended it for good he doesn't say that then he says it like seven years later Mm. after he's resettled the family in Egypt after their dad Jacob dies And then his brothers are terrified because they think, well, now that our dad is gone, Joseph, who's still, you know, proxy king, is going to get us. Mm. And Joseph, in that moment, has to reassure them. And that's when he says, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. But what's striking to me is, you know, no matter what Joseph's, how sincere his, his forgiveness or love for them was, the brothers weren't at peace. Like they still felt vulnerable for all of that time. And that is just so interesting to me thinking about, you know, how Joseph is is maybe the best of a human king hmm. and we just need a better king, right? Like and so okay, now a better king is coming, either. right? And so I just, <laughs> you know, I I just think Joseph is a poor man's Jesus and hmm. so to be able to celebrate that and and also I'm just wondering and I don't know if this will make it into the sermon, but I I wonder somehow if we can just sort of look at this 
and sort of draw a distinction between you know what what is possible for humans even with the help of God mm. and then what is possible for God and you mm. know just the kind of reconciliation and yeah. peace yeah. and mercy and reassurance we can get from God that that maybe we can't always get from other broken people like mm. sometimes broken people are are doing their best and their yeah. best isn't good enough for our peace or our reassurance or whatever and and so how we can just really you know have right expectations mm. of other broken wounded people who are our brothers yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. look for our security look for our worthiness look for our identity look for our peace in our in our real savior so i am excited to wreck the story of Joseph once again <laughs> well, for my people this But Sunday. what I love about those Old Testament stories and the people we lift up in them like Joseph is that they give us great good. Right. right? They do good, but right. then they leave us wanting. Right. right and right, they, right. they always okay so there's got to be someone better someone right. greater and so these stories are always pointing us to Jesus we're longing for there's got to be a better king there's got to right. be a better right. well and I've be heard you say before like ever since you know the the end of Eden mm. when God promises a Messiah yeah. that you read the Bible that you encourage people to read the Bible that everyone we meet after there we wonder, Oh, is this the is one? Is this the one? Is this the is one? This and the again one? and again, we learn like Joseph ain't the one. That's right. <laughs> Moses all he ain't us, the one. Yeah. As David great as is Moses not the was. one. Yeah. Like all these people that we lift up, and and it's great to see God at work in their lives. But also, just the older I get, the more profoundly holy I'm able mm. to see the Bible is because like. It's just so real to yeah, see yeah. Joseph, you know, like that's not the Hollywood movie version, mm-hmm. but like, man, like that's what it looks like in families, right? Like we yeah. have moments and we're heading into Thanksgiving. We have moments when we can see the people we love and see that they're more than the worst thing they've ever done to us. or they're wor- And then we have moments when like, we just can't, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I know I should be able to move past this, but I'm, but I'm just petty and mm. <laughs> I'm gonna... Whatever, make the pie you don't like or throw you in prison, wow. whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. anyway, I'm excited for that. So what are you thinking about? What am I thinking about? I am thinking about um, faithfulness. What does faithfulness look like for me as a leader in a congregation that is in transition, that has a lot of hard work in front of it, that is um, often anxious. Um, what does it mean for me to? What does it mean for me to be faithful in light of my own bad habits? Right, because I am very accustomed to uh, talking about the church's bad habits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and taking my eyes off of my bad leadership habits. And so I'm asking myself, what does it mean for me to just take simple? steps of faithfulness in this season and not default to my bad habits. Right, right. Now, I think that's so interesting because there are a lot of people in my congregation who who far surpass me yeah. in terms of their maturity and just their their Christ-likeness, right? So yeah, there, so yeah. there are a lot. There's an embarrassing yeah. amount of those people in my congregation, and thank God because they inspire me and they encourage me. But I had a, a friend, a mentor friend, who was like, "Look, the majority of people that you lead." Mm 
I mean, they're not going to be more faithful than you are, right? So, like, if you want people to prioritize, you know, prayer or Mm -hmm. or giving or whatever it is, but you're not doing it personally, like, you can't expect the people who look to you for leadership to surpass you in where you are. So I, I think that is, and that's a terrifying Thing, right. I mean, like that's just a terrifying truth yeah. to live with, and that. But I'm, well, I'm right there with you. True confession for any um, folks at Dorada Church who listen to this podcast. One of my bad habits is once I get an idea, and I'm pretty certain it's from the Lord, I just want to hit the gas and just go. And sometimes, you know, I will do the right thing. But at the wrong time, yeah, um, and yeah. I just, I just know, and so I'm just trying to be aware of those habits, right? Yeah, right. So, what are you thinking about? So, I am thinking about um, this week. For the past two weeks, I've been praying and um, thinking and discerning a worship plan for 2019 for the congregation. Which is, this is probably the fourth year um, that I. Have, have approached the preaching moment in this way. I used to be a lectionary preacher. I used to feel all kinds of feelings about people who dared not to preach from the lectionary. Um, you know, who are you? You're just going to preach your favorites every week. You're going to whatever. Um, but I just have come to a place, been dragged to a place, I, I think, by the Holy Spirit to say, you know, who am I to assign the responsibility of preaching to a group of men in wow. some room somewhere mm-hmm. who were given authority by someone I don't know. And to be able to say, look, this congregation, I am the servant leader here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I'm on the ground. And so I need to take a deep look every year at where we are mm-hmm. and what our mission is and where we're strong and where we're weak mm-hmm. um, and really pray about where does our focus need to be. And I, I do think that the preaching moment is a is our best pastoral care moment and our best culture shaping moment. I think it's powerful. Um, and so I just want to take that really seriously. Um, so, and all through the year, I kind of things come to me and I keep a list. Being me, I keep like four lists. And then in November, I'm like, where did I write that down? But I've been, um, you know, putting them together and looking for themes. And then this week, sent them out um, to some key people in the congregation to say kind of, this is what I'm thinking, um, but what what's missing? Mm. What's redundant? Mm-hmm. What do you see on this list that you're like, Kate, I know you like to preach this, but it doesn't need to... Um, <laughs> no so, one else wants to hear this. Yeah. So, or, or I think a lot of people just say like, we know this, like mm. we don't need to spend four weeks you know, pushing this button again. Like we Mm kind of got Mm -hmm. this, like let's work a muscle that needs to be built up. So that is what I'm thinking about this week. I'm remembering, you know, my favorite, favorite, one of my favorites, one of my two favorite professors in seminary was my New Testament professor, J. Paul Simpley. I prayed before I went to seminary that Mm. someone would teach me to love Paul because I, boy, did I hate Paul. You know, because all I knew from Paul was like, (laughs) women, cover your heads and shut up. Um, And so I studied with J. Paul Simpley and, um, man, he loved Paul and he taught me, I, I mean, I love Paul, like just the, anyway, whatever. But I took as many classes with him as I could 
And I remember him saying, he was one of my few professors who had, who had pastored churches. Imagine, <laughs> I really can count on one hand the number of professors Imagine I had that. who did that. Um, but he talked about, you will shape and lead the congregation from the pulpit. And at the time, I just didn't understand that. Like, I understood preaching. I loved mm. preaching. I knew that was going to be my strength, but I, I didn't get it. Like, yeah. And so, so now I really see what he meant, and I'm trying to take that very seriously. Um, so I'm really thinking and praying and seeking wisdom and discernment from other people this week, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, this didn't cross my mind while we were walking, but... Just now, as you're talking about this, um, what it sounds like you're doing is you've got one ear listening to the Spirit, and the other ear you're listening to the congregation, like their their actual spiritual hunger, and that's a great thing. Yeah. Well, and I'm really trying to seek out people in the congregation who love me enough and honor me enough to tell me the truth, even if it might hurt my feelings. Like people say like, Kate, this congregation really needs to get better at welcoming people. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that, I mean, that's real. Mm -hmm. And it's also, Mm -hmm. you know, I need Mm -hmm. people who will tell the truth because we can't grow if Mm -hmm. we don't know there's a problem. And I don't care what your congregation, like we all got problems. (laughs) So (laughs) we need to know what they are. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday who was like, I love to find a problem. I know that sounds weird. And I was like, it doesn't sound weird. You know that if you find a problem, you can potentially find a solution, yeah. but you're sure yeah. as heck not finding a solution if you don't even know a problem. That's is right. There. Oh, so, that's good. That's, that's great. Good. So, what is astonishing you, my friend? We are, well, I'll just say I'm astonished by the elders of Dorita Church because as we've been working on our DNA, um, especially core values, there's one core value that stands out. Um, that doesn't really fit them, and so I've challenged them, and they are just sticking to it, and that's the core value of being spirit-led. Mm-hmm. And as a person that is reformed and uh, in many ways charismatic... Presbycostal. Presbycostal, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And um, when when they say we value being spirit-led, like that means something yeah. to me, and... So I've been pushing back on them, saying, hey, do you guys really mean this? They say, yes, do you really mean this? Yes. Okay, but, well, let me say what I think this means. Right, that's what I want you to say. Yeah, now. and so <laughs> see if you're still with me. So when you say we value being spirit-led, you're saying we value um, pausing all the time to ask the Holy Spirit if we should do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. You mean <laughs> by saying spirit-led, that we're going to risk resources and reputation to do things simply because we feel called by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you say spirit-led, you're saying we're going to expect the Holy Spirit to actually show up and do things that make us say, wow, if God didn't do that... <laughs> It wouldn't have gotten done, right? right. And so right. Uh, that that's what I hear when you say spirit-led. Do you want to keep this core value? And they keep saying yes to me. And so I'm astonished by that. I'm excited by that. And, um, you know, I love doing this work, but I'm especially happy to be uh, the pastor of Dorita Church as these elders are wrestling with DNA and landing here at being spirit-led. So that's what's astonishing. Well, and what I love about how you're helping them lean into that is I think a lot of people, 
you know, we say it because it sounds weird not to say it. Although I think, let's tell the truth, a lot of churches are not spirit-led. Like they are doing their very best work to be good stewards of God's resources, Mm -hmm. but they're not, they're operating in their expertise and their strength according to their best judgment, right? Absolutely. And being spirit-led is not a matter of like now worship is going to manifest in certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. Although it could be that. It could, yes. But, I mean, the reality is being spirit-led doesn't mean like, okay, now we're going to pray in tongues. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's great if that's what happens, but but there's a higher cost mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that being spirit-led means sometimes you do things not according to your wisdom, mm-hmm. but according to God's wisdom, and it's not the same, And it's friend. not the same. And so, you know, to be able risky. to... it's risky. It is risking. Like, being spirit-led will cost you something because the spirit will lead you places that you would not lead yourself. Yes. And so I, yes. I appreciate that, that you're saying to them, this is deeper than worship style. Mm-hmm. Like if worship style is a thing, I mean, and it is, of course, but it costs even more than that. So Absolutely. I think that's really, really, really great. Well, and I'm also saying to them things like, okay, and I took them to James 5. I was like, look, James 5 says, if there's anyone sick, right. call the right. elders, have them anoint them with oil and pray. You got to do this. It's, it's very simple. Right. Now... You are not anyone's healer, right? right? I'm not asking you to be, you know, little beanie hens or something, right? Right, right, right. But being spirit-led means you're going to risk just doing this thing because the text says it and leaving the results up to God. Yeah, and the reality is being spirit-led means this book is part, not the whole, but part of our revelation from God, of who Jesus is and how we're called to live. And when the plain sense of the text says to do something, we just got to do it. got to do it. And the anointing's not in the oil and it's not in the hands. It's in the obedience all the time. No, I think that is fantastic. Yes. That's fantastic. So what is astonishing you? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of related to what you've been thinking about. Last Sunday uh, was preaching about, you know, does God waste time and where is God mm. in our seasons of imprisonment? And I was looking at Psalm 90 um, and and the one one key takeaway point that I was talking about in that sermon was when they pray, um, satisfy us with your love in the morning, mm-hmm. God, and we will sing songs of joy all day long. And yeah. I was saying to the congregation, like the in the morning part, like that's not just poetry; that that's revelation, that's theology, right? This idea that we have to, by the grace of God, God, you have to do this for us, but satisfy us with your love in the morning before we do anything, wow. before anything happens, you know, so that our satisfaction is in God's love because, and I said to the church, which I meant, which I believe that if you're not satisfied by God's love in the morning, there's nothing that's going to happen all day long that's going to make you satisfied in the evening, right? That's like. Good. That's our thing. And so it's just interesting. I was preaching that. I was meaning that. I was saying very directly, like, let's do this. Let's Mm -hmm. pray this prayer all the time, but especially Mm -hmm. in those hard times. So then, you know, you wake up on Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) There's always Monday morning. Well, it just occurs to me. I'm lying there in bed, and I'm like, I need to pray this. Like, I just need to pray, um, God, you know, give me grace. This satisfy me with your love now, this morning, before I get out of bed. And... And then it was so interesting, like I'm walking around, the kids are doing the routine, I'm, you know, we're driving them to church, and I realize, it's so bizarre, I'm literally singing. Like just being wow. goofy, I'm just literally singing, not by plan, but just because, I mean, I am astonished yes. wow. that, wow. you know, 
these simple practices that are within our power, that God is faithful, right? Yeah. That these aren't just pretty ideas or things yeah. we, you know, buy a print on Pinterest and hang it on our wall. Right. Like that there's power in God's revelation and in our obedience and that this is the way we're called to live. And, and we can do the parts that God is asking of us in season and out of season, and God will mm. do the things that he promises to do. So I was Imagine just kind that. of astonished. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, when I'm faithful, yeah. God shows up. Um, yeah. And so. sometimes we take those things and we make them slogans on a coffee mug right? and just dramatically suck the power out of them instead of, doing what you did and just do, just do the it. thing. Just right. do the thing. Well, and just I, pray the yeah. prayer. Just just do it. Yeah. Like I have a friend who often, she's, she's a life coach, and she'll often say to me lovingly, like, Kate, knowing something and doing something are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it is a kind of Presbyterian disease, and we're out of time, but we, it is a kind of Presbyterian mm-hmm. disease to think like, oh, I know this, moving on. Move <laughs> it's like, on. no, no. Yep. Knowing is the beginning, right? Yeah. It's not the end. And so anyway, so yeah. That's it. So happy Thanksgiving. Yes, we everyone. made it. Happy no one kicked us out. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week.